Uh, let's go over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. <clears throat> Uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times people are worried about being resentful or, 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 or maybe they, you know, I think the resentfulness is not the main problem, okay? Resentfulness oftentimes can be a byproduct of what sort of something else is going on, okay? But what is resentfulness? Uh, when you resent something, it means that you're holding something to someone's account. Okay, or you have an overdrafted bank account. Let's put it that way. That's another way to put it. Um, so either either you're holding someone else in debt, okay, and you you have a lot of people that owe you now in debt, and we're talking about heart issues here. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You know, and or you're zapped. Your bank account's gone, and you're desperately needing. Someone to pour into you, Reassuring. and no one is giving you what you're wanting. Okay, uh, this that's resentfulness. People become resentful. The main point is, people who are resentful think everyone owes them something, whether or not they really have offended them, which is very possible. Which usually this is rooted in some sort of offense. Somebody did hurt you, um, and so now you do hold this to their account. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, and then everybody else around you can become a target of your resentfulness. Yeah. And the reason why is because you're just looking for what you need in all these different places. It becomes about self. It does. It does. What resentfulness is, is if I get a, a hot piece of coal and I say, hey, hold it in your hand, and then I drop it in your hand, and you... you it starts burning the crap out of you, and you don't let go. That's resentfulness. Resentfulness is if I stick a piece of glass in your arm, and you don't tend to it, and it gets infected, and the original offender is the reason why you've got the glass in your arm, but everybody who bumps into you later on gets your flag. You see? They get the repercussion of what someone else did a long time ago. Make sense? You're bumping into me. Get off me. You know what I mean? You can probably relate to this right now with your finger, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, having that big infection on your finger. You know what I mean? This one thing happened. I'm not saying somebody stabbed you. I'm saying... No, somebody did stab me. <laughs> I'm saying uh, that the, uh, the infection was caused by a previous thing, mm -hmm. yet everything after that causes pain as well. Mm -hmm. That is what resentment is. Resentment is, um, you know, it's like a rabid cat. You know what I mean? Don't touch me. I'm going to scratch the living daylights out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could take it out on y'all yeah. when I'm hurting. That's right. You're That's tempted. You're oh, when you're getting into resentment, you are you are definitely tempted on taking it out on other people, yeah. even if they aren't. I've been short on camera a couple times because of the thing. Mm. Yeah. So, in, in short, resentment is unforgiveness and the lack of mercy towards other people. Mm-hmm. Who might not have even done anything serious to you? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we think that mercy has to do with just forgiving someone, but that's not the case. Sometimes mercy means that you're giving someone some slack. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because there's little offenses people can, 
you know, like showing up late. Someone could show up late. Well, that didn't kill you, but that could still be something you took offense to. Like, you know, you're disrespecting my time, you know? Uh, so these are things that we show mercy on, you know. Oh, well, the place isn't completely clean. Um, and somebody keeps leaving stuff out, you know. That's something they, they did to violate you or to violate your, per, your, your personal preference. But mercy says love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm going to do it with love. Yeah. So resentfulness will prevent you from being able to serve. <clears throat> okay? It's a good word. Resentfulness will prevent you from being able to serve. Resentfulness creates division. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, and you don't even have to say anything. In fact... You know, we may be even joking one morning, and everybody's throwing these jokes at one another, but for some reason, every one of the jokes sting. <laughs> There's some resentfulness in there. You no, know? We, we love each other. Well, and, and that's another thing, too. You know, a lot of times we are joking, and it's playful and stuff. But anytime you feel that twinge, you know that there's some, some there's resentfulness in the room. You know? Someone, you know what I mean? And at that point, you're like, if we love one another, then we'll be careful about our fiery arrows that we shoot at one another. This is why one of the big house rules is no joking, you know, of mm -hmm. course joking or, or no joking at somebody and playing pranks and stuff. Because we don't want, because when people come into this house for discipleship, they will be struggling with resentfulness. Yeah. Every person who comes into this house will be having to overcome resentfulness. So if we joke with them, you are playing with somebody who's got a wound. And, you know, if I shove you, exactly. If you're a healthy person and we're wrestling, no problem. But if you're not healthy and you got a busted up finger and I Give play time, with you, it hurts. it's going to hurt. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's not my fault necessarily that it hurt. It's just the fact that you're wounded that it hurts. You hear me? So a lot of times when, we, when people are playing with us, I know personally, dude, I grew up getting picked on all of my life. So when people picked on me, I took it very personal. I did too, and I pushed back. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I became healthy, till I got into a healthy relationship with someone. Uh, his name was Leslie King. We became best friends. And next thing you know, he starts playing with me and joking with me, picking on me. For the first time in my life, I didn't get offended about it. And the reason why was because I knew he loved me. I knew he cared about me. Yeah. But we were in a healthy relationship. Right. You know? But because of all of my relationships prior to that, uh, if someone joked with me, I took it personal, you know? And the more I found out who I was in Christ, the more I didn't really care if someone picked on me. It didn't matter. I already knew who I was, so if somebody messed around with me, it didn't matter. I knew who I was. You know so if you accept that offense, would it become pride? Yes. And the reason why it would become pride is because uh, you're embracing an identity that's not yours. Yeah. Hmm. Good word. Yeah. Or whatever, you're letting it attach to you. You know. But on the same note, if someone is joking with you and they aren't sensitive, then that's not love. You see what I'm saying? So if I come up to you and I say, I start messing with you and you took offense to it and I don't apologize, then I'm not prideful. And I'm not operating in love. Because the goal isn't about being right. The goal is about creating healthy relationships. Right. So if, uh, does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. I could come up to you, 
Okay, so if I bump into you, um, David, with your busted up arm or your finger here. Yeah, let's just turn right? it around Facebook to have a busted up hand. <laughs> you know, if I bump into you uh, and you get upset with me, well, there could be pride with that, right? Oh, yeah. But if I don't apologize to you, then I'm, I'm in pride. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're hurting and it would be wrong of me to just say, oh, you should get over it. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because you're hurting. If I care about you, I care about you healing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's pride on both sides. Does it make sense? There's pride on both sides. Even though I was very insecure growing up and people would pick on me, insecurity is actually pride. Okay? That builds a hard heart. Yeah, it does. It builds a big, big hard heart. Next thing you know, you're swinging punches at people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, what pride is, man, is when you're not submitting to what God says about you. Mm. When you're not submitting to God's definition concerning your life. So, if I hear a word that's not of God and I embrace it, that's pride. Okay. Hmm? Oh, okay. And then, also, if I start saying things to people and I'm not sensitive to what's going on with them, okay, then that's also pride. It's just not love. It's really hate. You know, if I know it bothers you and I keep on messing with you, that's hate. Yeah. You know? And that is not a healthy relationship. Yeah. So. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, or love never ends. So, I, I have literally seen somebody get mad at us for rejoicing in the truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> it says right here, love is not easily irritable or resentful. Okay, so if you're suffering from resentment, then you really have a problem with love. If you keep holding things against other people's accounts, you know, then you're not operating in love. Mm -hmm. Love lays down its life. You got it? Love lays down its life. That's why I can take the picking on now. Because I'll lay down my life. If someone picks on me, I'll take it. Why? Because I'll lay down my life. I'm not interested in... What they, you know, I just don't care about what they say anymore. Their opinion doesn't matter to me. My, my uh, the Lord's opinion about me is all that matters. You mm -hmm. know, and that's it. And that's a hard one to get to. That's a hard spot to get to, because uh, you have to heal. You can never get there if you're not healed. Make sense? You just can't. Once you get healed, and then you get restored, and you know who you are in Christ, then you can go right back into the the mess. Suffer ridicule, and you'll be fine. That in the world does say that other people's visual opinion matters, you know what I mean? Right. Now, there's two sides of this coin. It doesn't matter what people say. Or, it doesn't matter what people think. People mm -hmm. say that, right? Yeah. But it does matter what people it think. Does. Why does it matter what people think? Because if it didn't matter what people think, then I wouldn't be preaching the gospel. Why? Because I, I care about what they're thinking about. Yep. And they need to be thinking about the Lord. You see what I'm saying? 
So if I'm sharing the gospel with you and you're not understanding it, it matters what you're thinking. And it matters that I understand what you're thinking. Because if I don't understand what you're thinking, even if you're thinking screwed up, how can I communicate effectively to you the gospel? Right. You see what I'm saying? But when it when it when it when we say it doesn't matter what people think, we're really referring to it doesn't matter what you think about me. Because I know who I am in Christ. It makes sense? Um I had I had a I actually had the opportunity to minister to a um, a music singer one time that was pretty well known, and he comes down and I and he was I won't say his name but he's up there singing and he starts talking about the song he wrote and he said it doesn't really matter what y'all think about it you know I'm just gonna sing it you know which there's two sides of that see part of it was when when a musician put his made his song it's, it's who he is you know what I mean he's sharing his heart and a lot of times it's a lot about his own struggles so especially this artist right. So this artist was sharing this thing uh, about, you know, and he's like, it doesn't matter what y'all think. The reason why was because he was trying to be obedient to the Lord and submit and sing something that he felt led to write, even though it would open him up. You see what I'm saying? Well, his thinking was correct, but for some reason he was still defeated. The reason why he was defeated was because he didn't understand. Even though he was rejecting what people thought about him, he hadn't really embraced what God said about him. Mm. You see, he was rejecting what everyone else said about him. But everybody, you can't define yourself. You are, That's why we still need, that's why we're always looking for affirmation from people. You know you were designed to be affirmed, but not from people. You, you know you were designed to be praised, but not from people. You're designed to be praised by God. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's a praise. You see? You were designed to re receive affirmation from your father. That's just why we, we seek so much to please our earthly fathers. You know? We were created to receive affirmation from our heavenly father. So, we seek a lot of times from men our affirmation, which is pride. Because we are actually insecure in who we are. And so we need men to affirm us so that we feel good about ourselves. And if men don't affirm me, that I feel all my worst fears have come in play, that I'm a failure, and that I'm never going to amount to anything, and I'm worthless. Right? So this man, he was talking up on stage, oh, it doesn't matter what y'all think. So he was rejecting what men think, but he really hadn't embraced what God thought. Otherwise, he would care what they thought. You see? Because once I know what God says about me, then I do care what you think. And the reason why is because I want to communicate effectively to you the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the fact that we are worth something. He made us something worthy, you know. He made me worthy. I'm unworthy apart from Christ. But in Christ, I am so worth it. You know. So, I, I talked to this guy. I said, listen, man, it does matter what people think. It doesn't. Listen, your messages change people's lives. That's what I told him. I said, your, your words and your songs minister to people. It does matter what they think. Now, I, and I told him, I said, obviously, it doesn't matter what they think about you and your identity. I didn't even have the wisdom at the time to tell him that he needs to find his identity in Christ at that time. But I was learning that it didn't matter what people thought, just not what they think about you as far as your identity. You know? <laughs> so, Because they've gotten it wrong with me for many years. Yeah. It's good. So, what love does, man, love really doesn't seek itself. Love... 
it doesn't insist on its own way. The scripture says right here, love does not insist on its own way. Watch this. Love is not is not irritable or resentful. Okay? So if you are getting irritable, then you don't know how to love. <laughs> if you are resentful, then you don't know how to love. That's what the Bible says right here. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. But it does not envy and it does not boast. Watch this. Love is patient, which means it can handle a lot. It can take a lot. Just one more, Lord. Love is patient. Long-suffering. That's what, that's what patience means. Long-suffering. It means to suffer a long time. And we think that when we sit here and wait in line for 15 minutes, that that's long-suffering. Man, if you can't wait in line for 15 minutes, if you can't wait on a phone call for more than two minutes, you have a real problem with patience. Your godlikeness really is minuscule. <laughs> Somebody showed up five minutes late. Man, patience. We have got to learn what it means to really suffer long. And people only suffer long for those that they love. You know? Think about that. Your children, if, if you love them. Now, most I, I beg to differ. A lot of parents really don't know how to love their children. So I'm going to step on some toes right now. A lot of parents just love themselves. Okay? <clears throat> this is why we have bad kids. That's why kids grow up bad. Okay? Um, now, I'm not saying that you can't do all you possibly can, and sometimes you get somebody who doesn't turn out right. Okay? Scripture's full of those people, you know, about kings that raised up, that, that, that were good, godly men but their sons were evil. So don't get me wrong. We're not saying that that person is a failure as a parent. Sometimes people just sin. Okay, But many times we do create our own bad children. And a lot of times it's in the little things. You know, <clears throat> so he comes over here and grabs my cup off of, the, off of the, the counter, you know, and I just swiftly pass judgment on him and spank him, right? Which, you know, I've been guilty of that, you know, or something stupid. But what I realize is that, um, why did I do it, you know? Did I spank him because he actually did something wrong, or did I spank him because I was annoyed? Mm. See, if I spank my children out of being annoyed, they will become rebellious, okay? If I spank my children out of love because I want them to create corrective behavior, and I want them to learn from this experience, then they will grow and they will honor their parents. Okay? Um, so I had to check myself. When I was younger, I, I was actually the oldest of two of my sisters. I was 11 years older than them, and I was allowed to spank my kid, my sisters because I was so much older than them. And it got to the point where um, I, I was spanking them out of irritation. Love is not irritable, though. And all of a sudden, I realized that my relationship with them was being severed. And I was like, I don't know what to do about this, golly. And I just decided I'm going to stop spanking them. The reason why was because I didn't. I realized I didn't have the wisdom to spank correctly, you know. And now, don't get me wrong, I spank my kids now, you know, because that's just a godly thing to do. But but I've also learned a godly way of doing it, you know, of not doing it when I was irritable. Don't spank in your anger. Don't spank when you're irritable. You spank because it's the right thing to do. They violated so I don't spank my children if, if, if I hadn't created a law by word to them hey don't touch that 
They don't get a spanking. Okay? Ever. Now, unless they're little and it's dangerous. Okay? So, I can't communicate. I believe that you should start disciplining your children very young. And the reason why, um, I don't, I'm going to say this, and it's going to go on Facebook. I don't believe in terrible twos. I believe in terrible parenting. Okay? Um, my two-year-old's mind. But that's because I begin before they can even talk. Mm -hmm. I begin disciplining them before they can even talk. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't do that. Well, look at your kids, look at my kids. We can argue about that whenever our kids are five years old and see, you know, whether or not it was, whether or not what I did was working or not. But a lot of people don't want to wait that long. Now I got four kids and nobody's, nobody questions how I do my parenting now. <laughs> I got four kids and they all mine, you know what I mean? <laughs> they all listen. So when I do something, they might say, oh, they might initially think it's harsh, but you can just look at the fruit of my children and you'll see Absolutely, uh, we do well, you know? Uh, I'm not saying we do everything perfectly. There's a lot of things we grow, learn about. Me and my wife, we talk about all the time, you know? And why did we do that? Did we do that because we were irritated? Well, we don't want to do that because we were irritated, you know? Mm -hmm. um, communication. Communication. We learn, we're growing out, you know? Yeah. Everybody's growing. You can't say, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the perfect parent. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm, I've learned a lot, you know? Um... But, you know, we talk about, uh, this is really good message, man. Uh, <laughs> it's not everywhere I wanted to go. We're actually talking about parenting now. We're going to talk about some parenting, dude. This is good. This is good. You know, man. If you yell at your kids, there is a proper time to yell at your kids. There is. Not Walmart. When they're going to die. When they're going to get hurt, that's when you yell. Let me tell you this. If you yell at your kids on a regular basis, what you're training your kids to do is not respect your normal voice. Mm. If I tell my son, son, just like this, son, don't do that. If you do that, you're going to get a spank. Now, you know what I do? With kids, you have to repeat stuff. And you want to make sure they get it. I don't want to spank my kids if they don't know that they're going to get spanking. I want them to know. And I want to know that they know that they're going to get spanking. They do that again. So you know what I do? I'll say, hey, if you touch that, you're going to get a spanking. And I take extra time. I suffer long with them and say, what did I say? If I do that again, I'm going to get spanking. All right, son. So you understand. I understand. If you do that again, you're getting a spanking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, when you make them say yes, sir, you verbally have them submit to you. In their heart, they learn how to submit to you before they even do it. Mm -hmm. That's why I make my kids say yes, sir. Uh, I literally will sometimes, I'll have them, I say, son, clean up your room. And he'll keep playing. And I'll say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he'll get right back up and start doing it. And I didn't have to repeat myself. I just had to have him say yes, sir. Because he already heard me. He just hadn't submitted yet. So I'm teaching my children how to say yes, sir. So that in their heart, they submit. And then they get up and do it. Will you speak? Think about this. You can, you think, and then you speak, and then you do. Whatever you think about is what you're going to say. Whatever you say is whatever you're going to do. Okay? So if you complain and grumble and whatever, that's what you're going to end up, you're gonna, life's going to lead to destruction. <laughs> but if your, life's, if your mouth is full of hum, humbleness and submission, that's what you're going to follow that to. Mm -hmm. Make sense? So I teach my children how to speak submission. Say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then they do it. A lot of times I don't even have to repeat what I said. They already heard what I said. They just haven't submitted yet. So when I say, hey, say yes, sir. Yes, sir. And if they don't do it, do you not? did you not hear what I said? 
So the, the thing is, I'm, I want to communicate to my children, and I want them to communicate back to me the instructions I've given them. If they communicate back to me, if they say yes, sir, then I know they got it. If they say, does that make sense? And there's no, now there's no excuse. When you do that again, you violate this law we just said, we just talked about, that we verbally made a contract about. So you have to make contracts with your children. <laughs> right? You know, I did that good with my first two. But my third, my little boy. Mm. It's he, powerful. He, he runs all over daddy. It's powerful stuff. Now, I'm not saying mercy isn't a place for your children. I mean, but they have to appreciate mercy. Um, so, anyway, I, te I teach my, this is how I teach my kids. And I make them talk back to me. Hey, not talk back to me rude. If they talk back to me rude, they already know well enough that you talk back to dad or mom. It's over. Mm -hmm. That's spanking right there. We're even talking about it. There's no, yeah. there's no trial. There's no jury. Bam, you get a spanking. You know? <laughs> and so that one is a swift one. Anytime rebellion is in place, you swiftly take care of rebellion. Anytime they throw a fit, you swiftly take care of that one. But there's other things you don't swiftly take care of. You know? Those are the two that, that, that get swiftly taken care of. You know what I mean? Lying, rebellion, you know? Those types of things get taken care of immediately. There's no trial. There's no jury. There's no discussion. You're getting that busting right now, you know? Um, but anyway, so I'm teaching this. I feel like I should be teaching this. This, this is so strange. Um, all right, so check this out. Um, if I'm yelling at my kids, I'm training them that my normal voice is not important. Okay? So, like I said, I'll talk to my kid with a normal voice. Hey, if you do that again, you're going to get spanked. Hey, son, go to, your, go to your room. You're going to get a spanking. I never once yelled at him, but he'll start crying right then because he knows I'm not a liar. See, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, follow through and consistency, and your normal voice must be authoritative. They must respect your normal voice. If I'm always yelling at my kids, that means, first of all, my bark is worse than my bite. If I'm, if I'm constantly yelling, that means you don't. If you're yelling, that means that you don't even believe what you're saying. <laughs> if you're yelling at them and you've lost control, see, that's in any situation. That's true. Yelling means you've lost control. Now, if you what yelling is a sign of is that you felt like you've lost control of everything around you. Mm -hmm. So you're yelling now because you can't control what's happening. Well, That's then good. you start to lose control yourself. Okay? The only way you're ever going to bring peace to a situation is if you're at peace in self. Okay? People follow peace. When they see someone who's peaceful, yeah. they'll follow that person. Yeah. Okay? And this is why, you know, I'm effective with my children. Because I, I, I don't yell. You know? My yells to my children are saved for very special times. <laughs> Last time I yelled at my daughter was because she was because she talked back to my wife. Okay? And I was in the other room and I heard it. And I swiftly went and got the board. Come into the room and I and I raised my voice and I said, You don't ever talk to mama like that ever again. And the reason why was because I was squashing rebellion. Yeah. 
the fear of God has to hit them. You see what I'm saying? So a loud hmm. voice would be effective in a moment like that. But if you're always fighting rebellion, it means you didn't start well over here. That means you were always yelling. Mm-hmm. Okay? Make sense? You, if it, they have already rebelled in there. See, you've got to squash rebellion in the heart before it ever comes out in the mouth. You can see it. They're pouting. That's rebellion. Huh. Didn't have to say nothing. I take care of that too. Hey, you're not being grateful right now. And I start correcting and reproving. Those little pouts, those are those are easy to to squash. You don't have to spank for that. You know what I'm saying? You just talk it out. Now you may enforce it with a spanking or something later on, but the only time you do that is when they act out on it. But you've got to squash rebellion in the heart. When you see it on their face, you know, and they also the rebellion comes because of lack of trust. Mm. If you say I'm going to spank you and you never do, they ain't going to trust you. That's when rebellion happens. Consistency. So if you are always threatening, but you're never following through, then that creates lack of trust. Which creates rebellion. A lot of people think, well, I don't want my kids rebelling to me if I spank them. Well, if you spank in the irritation, they'll rebel. If you don't follow through with your spanking, they'll also rebel. There's a balance here. You can't spank in the irritation. You gotta spank with sound mindedness. They have to understand why they're why they're getting a spanking. Why are you getting a spanking? Because I violated a law. Whose fault is it? The child's fault, not the parent's fault. So you train them. While they're getting the spanking, whose fault it is? That way they take ownership instead of pawning it off on you. Well, if you just didn't make that rule. See, that's what happens. Now they become rebellious towards the law. Well, why can't I do that? How come I have to be home at 10 o'clock at night? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Why are you even asking that question? When you go get your own job and you go get your own house, you can create your own curfew. You know? So anyway, my point, I don't know, does it make sense? When they start lacking trust, they start questioning your authority. And there's signs for that. When they're questioning your authority, that means they're going to be questioning the law that you've laid down. Makes sense? They question it. That makes sense? So you stop this by, there's a few things that you can do that will help squash rebellion. Okay? <clears throat> you... Build respect for your normal voice. Always follow through and you communicate effectively. And the way you do that is you have them communicate back to you what your expectations are. Um, if your child is not communicating back to you effectively what your expectations are, you will create a rebellious child. Okay? You've got to make sure that they are communicating back to you what you've said to them. You have to so be on the same page with your spouse as well. Otherwise, it can be a very conflictive matter. Yes. Rebellion also 
means that a child lacks taking responsibility. They want to blame their parents. They want to blame their friends. They want, to, and these are the guys that end up in jail and prison, you know, because they will resist even the law of the land. You see, the reason why we have we create um, law and order in the house is so that when they become an adults, they'll learn how to be humble and respect authority in society. But also, number one, so they'll learn how to respect their authority with their heavenly Father. You know, I, t I make my kids say yes, sir, so that when they hear God's voice, they say yes, sir. So, this is these. I don't know why we got any. Well, resentfulness. This is it's all the same mm -hmm. thing. Rebellion is a sign of resentfulness, unforgiveness, even vain imaginations. You know, most parents love their children. Some parents just don't have wisdom on how to love their children. That makes sense. They love their children. Somewhere along the line, they might have got selfish, and now they understand all their feelings, why they feel this way. They still understand. And just because they started bad when they were a year and a half years old. You know? Look at society now. Just look at how our society um, resents children. They feel like children are stealing away from them. Children are a blessing. If well, you... but I feel like most most 20-year-olds now, I know I did, felt like I had, I had the right to be a child still because I didn't get to be a child when I was a child. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Which is victim mentality, but yeah. at the same time, most people are going to play that because they don't know right from wrong. Right. You know, and that is, that's just immaturity. Mm -hmm. I want to be a child. I mean, come yeah. on, right? Think, I mean, think about, I mean, I'm not ridiculing you. Not no, no, no. I mean, that's what it is. But let's come, out, let's come at that for a minute, you know? I mean, come on. You still want to be a child? Like, yeah. how childish is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? You still want to be... You want to digress. You know, all your life you want to be an adult, and then all of a sudden when you're 20, you want to be a 12-year-old yeah. with no responsibilities. I can't. I've said that before. Man, I wish I was just a little six-month-old, didn't have to do nothing. Just let everybody pamper me. Mm -hmm. Change my diapers. Wipe my rear end with a nice pampered, you know. My point is, it's just child ways. The scripture yeah. says we put away our childish ways now. We've entered into manhood. But see, we're afraid of manhood. A lot of times. Yeah. Because manhood means we take responsibility. A lot of responsibility. It means I have to answer. Answer to who? I got to answer God. I saw a lot of men in my life that didn't take responsibility for nothing mm. but their self. Which is why little things, man. Well, little things matter. Your children need to see you as a dad taking care of little things. You know? I'm getting convicted right now. You know? The Holy Spirit is slapping my hand. The little things that are the house didn't get t didn't get taken care of. Why is it important? My children need to see dad taking care of business. You yeah. know, I respected my dad. Why? Because he fixed things at the house, and he fixed things in a timely manner. You know, it's interesting. It is. Why? Because that's what the heavenly Father does. He fixes things in our lives. He's right there, man. So we got to be a good example of our to our children with our heavenly father. We can't be lazy. We can't be sluggards. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good word. If we check this out, even if I had it made, if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want to stop working. Why? Because I don't want to train my children that they're not supposed to be working. You know, there's a deeper investment besides my pocketbook. We wasn't give this vehicle for no reason. Laying on the couch and watch television. 
Yeah, that becomes self-worship. You know, entertain ourselves. Dangerous. Yeah. But now, now we got in our. Oh, my phone's recording. Uh, now we got it right in our hand. Yeah. Yeah, on the go with us. This has replaced our relationships. You know. I got a thousand Facebook friends. Yeah. <laughs> My, How many of them do you actually friend, know? Yeah, my best friend is sitting with me on the couch and I can't even talk to her. Right? Because I'm on Facebook. You know? Or my children are trying to talk to me and I'm... Well, let me just watch this video real quick. Or or you're trying to talk to your children. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm talking about even me. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm spilling the beans on, my, on some of my own, you know, issues. Mm -hmm. uh, it's crazy. Interesting. You know why? I mean, I check this out. People might think, oh, I'm good. People go to work, you know. Look at those people. They're on the clock and they're on the phone, you know. Right? But, but do you do the same thing when you go home? Which is worse? Being on the phone around your family? But not at work? Cause I do, I do a pretty good job. I, well, I'm on the phone anyway because of business. You know, I'm always communicating with people. But at work, I try to keep any play out of work. You know, I try not to go through Facebook. You know, while I'm at, while I'm serving here. But then I go home, and I will be tempted with getting on it while I'm home. You know, but I really need to be with my family. You know. Anyway, my point is, this Facebook has a place. You know, um, I preach gospel on Facebook. You know what I mean? Everything it's has a tool. a tool. Everything is a tool, but anytime it is abused, then yeah. it becomes the devil in our life. You know. Anyway, so did we get that pretty good? Y'all felt like you know. I, I mean, for real. I mean, I'm so proud of my wife. She's been working hard on the house and getting things done. And you know, when you have four kids, it's really difficult to. I'm proud of mine as well. To clean up and stuff, you know. Um, you know, but I think my wife's really taken a big pride in it and taking care of the home. Yeah. And uh, that's huge because that's my children need to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this has literally been a conversation we've had. Well, why make the bed? It's just going to get messed up again tonight, right? We can reason with that. We can reason with that. But I'll tell you what, man. Something about order in your life. You make the bed in the morning uh, because, dude, we are we are people who clean up. We're people who fix things Yeah. to make things in order. That's what separates us from animals. If you think about it, <laughs> the animals don't make anything neat. You know, well, maybe they do. But my point is, there's order, and and I create, you know, a sense of urgency with my children to say, we need to get the clothes folded. We don't need them having lying around and you know, in piles being wrinkled. I don't fold my clothes just so they won't be wrinkled. I need a bigger purpose than that. You I know? don't need a bigger purpose than that. I'm, what I'm saying is, my, <laughs> well, I, if I don't care about what people think about me, then I don't care whether I'm wearing wrinkled clothes and a matty beard and whatever. You know what I mean? If I if I really didn't care, but I should teach my children uh, deeper deeper principles. You know, uh, listen, it's important that we fold our clothes because everybody here needs clothes to wear. It's important that we have a clean house. It creates peace, you know, Amen. instead of everything being in disarray. So we don't want piles of clothes because it creates uh, stress, you know. And and we why does it create stress? Just because it's something else hanging over our head, something else we put off, 
Yeah. I teach my children how not to put things off till the next day. If it can be done today, you do it today. You know? And so you teach your children how to accomplish tasks. Just by folding clothes. You know? This is how we accomplish tasks. This is how we get things done. You know? And so you just, just by those little chores, you train your children how to prepare to be a success at work. How to be a success at school. Mm -hmm. You know? Hey, everybody carries their weight in the family. There's no such thing as getting off at 5 o'clock. But we are living to retire, man. Our whole life, we just live to retire. I'm just, just ready. To, I'm ready to clock out now. I'm done. I know, man. I used to work at CC's. I get off 14 hours a shift, and I come home and I just sit on the couch. I wouldn't do nothing, you know. And it just shows you where my love ended. That's all. Even now, I'm looking at it like, golly, wish I'd seen this back then, you know. The moment you clock out in your heart. This is a moment when your love runs out. If there's still stuff to be done, you know? Now, sometimes it helps to have both parties helping, you know? I mean, one person doesn't do anything, one person's doing it all. You can get burned out, you know? That's why it's important to have healthy relationships and work together, you know what I mean? But, <clears throat> still, my point is, we got the moment you're not willing to serve is the moment that your love runs out. And that's when you need to find a bigger source for your love. Because if you're looking for your love from your spouse, you're never going to find it. They can only love you so much. They're human beings. You know? Jesus Christ loved us so much he laid down his life for us. You know? we got to get to the point where we're loving so much we're laying down our life for one another. You know? It says, the scripture says, outdo one another in good works. Mm. Outdo one another in good works. Like, it is a, I'm worshiping, if I outdo you in good works, I'm worshiping the Lord. It goes to the Lord. I'm not doing it for you, really. I, mean, I am doing it for you, but I'm doing it for the Lord. Why? Because it pleases Him when I outdo you in good works. <laughs> it sets a standard, an example. It does. it does. People say, wow, man, that guy's, they might even say, well, that guy's a workaholic. My dad outdid everyone in good works, man. My dad worked, never stopped working. My, my brother joked one time, dad's just going to die with a hammer in his hand. <laughs> but dude, I learned, I learned my dad loved us, man. Yeah. He was serving us. Now, sometimes people run to work as a workaholic and trying to escape reality. You know what I mean? They don't want to face things. That can happen. But if it's done in the right heart, man, it'll teach your children how to go out of their way and go the extra mile. You know what I mean? Amen. When you love someone, you do whatever it takes. You know? I love my family. I didn't want my wife having to go to work outside. You know? I wasn't opposed to her working outside but we had two three kids at the time uh, now we have four but you know i wanted my wife to be able to stay home with the kids so i did my best to work however long i needed to work to make sure she could stay home with the kids you know and give and let so we could raise our own kids mm -hmm. you know so i'd go to work uh hastings and then I'd go to work at the radio i was working two jobs you know Trusting the Lord, asking him what I'm supposed to be doing. Next thing you know, I'll go work at CC's. I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week, you know. Whatever it takes, man. I was going to do whatever it took to take care of my family. You know what that taught me? That taught me so is my father. My Heavenly Father would do whatever it took to take care of me, too. And he does. And he does. Scripture says this. If a, if a person doesn't take care of his own family, he's worth an unbeliever. It's mm -hmm. actually talking about widows in that situation, by the way. 
I don't know if y'all know that. It's not actually talking about um, just your kids. It's talking about your uh, widows. It's saying if your parents, check this out, that passage, it's First Timothy. Let's go through. <clears throat> verse five, chapter chapter five, verse one. Do not rebuke. This is First Timothy, chapter five. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. It's talking about keeping respect for your elders and not being rebellious. You know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as a father. You know, you go up to a man who's doing something wrong or something you feel is not right. If you're younger than him. Or, or let's say you're under him in authority. You know, an elder might not just be an older man, but it could be, you know, someone in authority. You would go up to him and, hey, man, um, you would encourage him. You wouldn't get on him. You would encourage him. Hey, man, uh, I just want you to think about this. It's up to you. You know, you don't have to do this. But it's just something I was thinking about. You begin like that. Humble, respectful. If he respects your opinion, I'll give it. If you don't respect my opinion, well, I guess I'll back off. You know, that's that's being humble and that's being encouraging. 